Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 35. It is the second week in February 2020. Um, but before I get into today's episode, I need to rewind to last week's episode and just say something that truly doesn't even need to be said. But Danny Nelson, your NHRA top dragster world champ, is podcast certified. He can come on whenever and whatever he wants to talk about. He can do that. Um, we do not give everyone that certification, but Danny gets it, and it is not up for discussion. Uh, secondly, Morgan Wood got himself a Fast Brackets Nation t-shirt for going on the Facebook page and noting why we play Gloria by Laura Brannigan at the end of each show. He uh, mentioned that that was episode number nine. He knew that right off the top of his head, which was nice. And he noted that it was absolutely about having confidence in yourself to perform at the highest level, even if up to that point you haven't had the success like you'd like. So uh, have confidence, put in the work, and go get that win light. Nice work, Morgan. Um, I'll also add this. Morgan is going through something uh, right now with his little one. Um, so when we play Gloria at the end of today's episode, uh, that is for you, little man. Um, we're uh, we're praying for you. Um, all right. Um, hey, we have a couple of great guests um, on for you this week. Uh, first of all, we've got Jeff Strickland, um, NHRA top dragster, national runner-up from last year in the Division Two champion, and then we've got Brina Frank, driver of the Super Stock Shy Town Shaker. She'll be on with us. I cannot wait to get them on, so let's do it. Uh, get to whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, or get that heap ready for the new year. But either way, metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. And the hottest topic in our classes is by far, and our guy Danny Nelson broke the news ahead of the press release last week that the national championships for top dragster and top sportsmen will be sponsored by Vortec Superchargers. And that is a big change as uh, Racing RVs initially stepped up to sponsor those classes at the national level. And I just want to say a big thank you needs to go out to Joe Fisher and the whole Racing RVs operation for getting these classes to the destination we're at today. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week um, in that the Vortex Superchargers, the Pro Chargers, the uh, 1471s and the Twin Turbos are getting dialed into the point that they make it incredibly efficient bracket motors. Um, you know, so it's just going that way, going that way. And I know that J.B. Strasweg and plenty others will – you know they're they're stepping up, puffing up their chest right now. They're going to show everyone that the NOS guys have it. Uh, you know they've got it under control and they can run the index. Uh, but the obvious trend is that the Pro Chargers, those Vortex Superchargers, um, all the the boost applications, and Vortex certainly um, is leading that charge. Um, you know we we have to thank them for stepping up when uh, you know 
racing RVs decided for their their reasons to step away. And um, you know, it's it's not cheap to sponsor these these classes. It's not cheap to do what they're doing. So um, even if you're not in the hunt for a new supercharger, um, if nothing else, go out to the Facebook pages, go out to their Twitter accounts and like Vortex Superchargers uh, just so they can see there's a little bit of return on their investment and they can keep providing the paycheck that is required for that national purse. All right, let's put it in the beams presented by thisisbracketracing.com. Uh, our next guest was your 2016 stock and top dragster national champion, and he was your 2019 top dragster national runner-up by one round, and he was also your Division Two top dragster champ. Welcome to the show, Jeff Strickland. Jeff, how are you today? Good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic, but we're not like you. We're not uh, winning almost everything you get in um, when it comes to top dragster. You had quite a run last year, and it had not been for Danny Nelson. Um, that would have been number two in the books on the national level. Uh, Danny was incredible, but you had a great year as well. Yeah, I had a good year. I mean, it, obviously, you always look at that and go, you know, it could have been one round better, but, you know, it's – Danny's a great friend of ours, longtime friend, family friend, and uh, obviously I'm happy for him. And uh, you know, we just we'll try it again next year or this year, actually. Now, <laughs> right? Yeah, we are. We're we're back at it already. Um, yeah. Well, before we get into kind of your plans for this year, why don't you take us back and talk about how you first got started in the sport? Oh, geez, you'd have to go way back. <laughs> uh, I mean, I. I can remember race cars from the time I can remember being alive. My dad, you know, he was racing when he was a teenager and, uh, and I was just that kid that followed him around all the time. And my brother and sister, you know, they were all busy doing other things. And I was always with dad in the shop or at work. And, and then came that day, he said, Hey, we're going to put you in a car today. And I was 13 years old. And I was like, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. And I was like, no, and we argued for a minute, and finally he said, get in the car and let's go. So he jumped in the passenger seat, and I made my first run in a car at 13 years old. And the rest was history. The rest is a long road, yes. <laughs> um, I, I've lost count, but um, what is it, 50 um, event wins in either the national or divisional level or a little bit more than that? Um, no, I don't think there's that many wins. Um, that I don't know honestly. I think there's seventeen national wins somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay, yep. Divisionals close to the same, and then uh, way too many runner-ups. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. That's always how it feels, right? The the yeah, wins aren't quite as sweet as the losses are painful. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you've uh, you you had you know, a good career, obviously. I mean, starting at that, uh, young age and, um, but then in 16, that was, that was pretty special. Um, when you win both, both categories of stock and top dragster, uh, do you want to talk about kind of what, um, what really helped you, you know, prior to 16, kind of make that change and go on that run? Well, the biggest difference in, in, in our racing program, we've always had really good stuff. And then stock eliminators, you know, you need a fast car. Sure. And and then uh, just a couple of years before that, 
I was approached by Dave Connolly and Victor K. Mazzi and asked, would I be interested in driving a Copo? And I said, sure. So, sure. you know, when you, when you, when you get a car that's that fast and, you know, it's the absolute best you can buy, then it frees up, you know, some more money to go make your other stuff better, you know? So, uh, it, it actually, it helped a lot having, you know, Dave and, and especially Victor Cagnazzi and then Roger Allen from Chevrolet uh, and then Berger Chevrolet and GM Parts Now, all of those people getting connected with them in the racing world just made my life a lot easier because I had a fast stalker. I had the latest and greatest stuff. And uh, it was just, it just makes life a lot easier as a driver. Then you only have to worry about doing your job versus spending $20,000 on a motor so you don't lose heads up every week. Yeah. So that that was the, I think that was the big difference maker is having a a, a very fast copo. That, that's a that's a pretty good advantage too. Those uh, copos are bad machines. They are they are. Um, it's funny because you know you got a top dragster car that runs 220 miles an hour in the pit area, and everyone that walks in the pit area walks right past the dragster and goes, <laughs> "Can you raise the hood on this thing and let me look?" I was like, "Sure." So yeah, the copos are awesome. People love them they can relate to them a lot more than they can a dragster. Yeah. So, you know, they're a lot more attractive to the spectators than a, than an old, whatever you call them, bundle of tubings, what some people call them, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a fast bundle for sure. It uh, is a ride. That is probably, um, it's so much fun that I sold all of my bracket racing stuff, all my, my other dragster, my spare motors. And now I just have the one top dragster car two pro charger motors and then we still have the chevy too which will it'll it'll be in the family as long as any of us are around but uh but no more just kind of got away from the bracket racing stuff uh because the top dragster was really fun and with the everything that we do with chevrolet and berger and all them and then gm parts now we my kids were growing up so it's like hey, we gotta we can't do both of these worlds anymore we can't do nhra and bracket race so just chose to do the NHRA stuff instead. Sure. Yep. Um, and and uh, how old are your kids now? Eleven and eight. Okay, those are good ages, but uh, oh, they're awesome. They start getting busy then. They, you know, my daughter. She's uh, I always call her the little genius, and she's uh, she's in her own world. She's real crafty. Doesn't play any sports. Doesn't have any interests. She just wants to paint and and study and she's extremely smart and uh my son he's he's extremely smart also they're both in their gifted classes and all that thanks to my wife because they didn't get any smarts from me i can promise you but uh he uh he plays football and that's it he doesn't play anything else right now i think we're going to get him in baseball this summer maybe okay but the but the oldest is 11 so that's two years away from when you were all do you have any plans to do uh what your pops did to you which was just haul him out to the car and say come on I wouldn't trust my daughter driving my golf cart, so no. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair right. enough. Uh, it's funny because my dad did the same thing to me. Uh, I was 14, and he said, come on, you're learning to drive today. I said, uh, it's snowing, there's ice everywhere, and um, that 66 Chevy pickup with um, you know 283 and a you know, four speed with two granny gears is not mm-hmm. going to be any fun to learn how to drive. And he said, that's exactly hey, that, right. Let's go. That's the best way to learn. Yeah. 
and uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, but let, let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your top dragster that you've uh, you know sold the other stuff to go do um, at a very high level. Why don't you walk us through your car? Uh, it's actually a little bit of an older car. We built it in 2014. It's an American car, and um, just your typical dragster. I mean, it's you know nothing crazy i mean you could put a bracket motor in it and race it tomorrow but it has a uh, 565 cubic inch wilkerson motor uh, with the f2 pro charger tci trans and converter um you know we run mickey thompson tires um and then all your other stuff's just your typical you know autometer gauges and uh, they wired it and me and ray Connolly plumbed it and we wrapped it when we got it home and it's just it's such a good car I just hate to change, and I don't. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it's just a good race car all around. I could put a bracket motor in it, like I said. I could go do that, or I could run the Pro Charger, and it works really good either way. And it's one races both ways, so uh, it's just a little old. Eventually, I'm gonna have to trade it off, and get a new one. But it's, it's got that sentimental value too, because I actually won the world in that car first. So that would be considered, you know. I could say I won my first world championship in that car, so I don't know if I'll ever even get rid of it. Right? Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of emotional at that point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I've, me and a lot of my friends talk about this a lot, and I've seen very good race cars that just don't win, and then I've seen some cars that no matter who gets in that car, it wins. <laughs> And right. so I've always had this little thing about cars. It's like, okay, well, that, that's a winning car right there. we we got to keep that one. And uh, it's funny. It's just a joke. It's not, you know, I don't really think it means anything. But but it's funny how I was talking with Troy Williams last week, and we were talking about the that fancy car that he had. He said, it didn't matter who drove it. It just wins. And I said, that's kind of the way I feel about this one. I'm afraid to get another one. It might not win. And we laughed about it. But uh, it's it's very sentimental, that car is. And the Copo is too. It's it's still sitting in Vic's shop, and uh, looks brand new, just like the day it was. And um, hopefully someday I'll get to drive it again. But as of right now, it's it's retired. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you're uh, it's got a Pro Charger on it. That's the Sidewinder, right? Correct. Yes, yeah. I've I've had uh, about every kind of Pro Charger they make, and I've got a, a new F1 X12. And I was just kind of waiting on um, a new car because we would have to, you know, change a lot of stuff because this is a 242 wheelbase car and you really need a 250. And um, so then that's where the new motor started coming in and the new right. Pro Charger. And then eventually, you know, I'll get a new car. It's just when you've got something that works really good, I'm, I'm not really... I don't like change that much, so I'm trying to <laughs> at least start the year with this car, the same combination, and then hopefully get a good run at things. And then if I have a shot at, you know, which as of right now, have a shot at the All-Stars getting in. There's only two races left. Um, if I could do any good, hopefully I could luckily get one car in, and if everything goes good, maybe get them both into the All-Stars this year, get through mid-year, and then possibly start playing with a new car and a new combination. I just... Like I said, I don't like new combinations. I like stuff that works. Right, right. So, makes it a little more fun to go into the track at that point. Yes, it does. It's you know, it's, I, I don't even like testing. I don't like, 
I don't know. We, we, I, I have to be careful. <laughs> just, just, uh, I like to win a lot. I mean, it's, I've always been really competitive and even if I'm playing basketball with my son, you know, and we're, we're playing a game of horse, I'm not going to intentionally let him win every time. I'm going to make him feel a little bit of defeat. So it makes him want to be better. That's right. And, and, you know, my dad was that way when I was growing up, it was actually in my situation, it was, Hey, if you don't win, we don't keep going. Cause we ain't, we ain't going to keep paying for this. If you ain't going to take it serious and go win. Yep. So, you know, when that's bred into you, when you're young, when you leave the, you know, everybody always says, which one's your favorite car? And I always have the same answer, whichever one's winning, <laughs> you know, yep. it's, they're both fun to drive, but it's, it's way more fun when you're winning. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm the, I'm the same way. Like, and I say, uh, block every shot from your kids that are, you know, younger. <laughs> just block them all and, you know, make them get better. That's what I say. Um, right. you know, it's, uh, it then that way it's in them. And they understand that the competition is everywhere in this world and that, uh, you know, nobody cares for the excuses. They just want to see the, the victories. And that's, yeah, and, that, and that's, that's, it's sad that it's that way. You know, it, it, there's people that do go race for fun and, and don't get me wrong. I do enjoy it. It is fun. But now if you go and race for a whole season and it, when you were raised the way I was raised, so I'd have to include that in there in that statement, but, when you were raised the way I was raised, if you win a whole season and if you don't have really anything to show for it, it's like, you know, I've either got to get better or quit. Right. You know, it's, but I feel like if you have good equipment, you do your job, the odds are in your favor. You're going to win your fair share. You're not going to win them all, but you're going to win your fair share. Yep. Well, you've done that. I mean, you've done that. And then some, um, and I probably forgot to mention that you did win an all-star, uh, Jeg's all-star uh, victory, what is 2018, I think, in your top dragster? Uh, 2018, yes. Yes, that would be 2018 because I got to go back in 19 and did not finish the job in 19. So uh, They do a great I, job, don't they? Don't They, they, just they do. do. It, it, it's a fun deal that they, they put on. And, um, you know, the, just the, 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 all the suits and jerseys and – I was telling somebody the other day, you know, it, it, it kind of forces me to go to some races that I don't want to go to, uh, to chase that because it, you know, it, it starts in the middle of the year and goes to the next middle of the year. Well, it's, it's such an elite deal. You want to do that. So you'll sacrifice, sacrifice fly, you know, a race or two to try to get into the right. All that's right. Because yeah. That's a big deal. And, and when I tell you that race is brutal, it's brutal. I think uh, last year, I'd, I'd run her. What did I do in the All-Stars? The guy laid down a crazy lap against me in the All-Stars and the semis. And then uh, and then in the finals, the guy was double O and dead on. And then the stalker in the semis, we were both double O. I'd, uh, the car had spun the tires a little bit, but I run Jeff Lopez. And I was I think I was double O six and left second. You know that's right. that's brutal in stock eliminator. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's tough business right there, man. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's just uh, sometimes you, it's way better when you get on the good side of them. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, well, tell our listeners what you do when you're you're not out there uh, grabbing wind lights. I am a family man. First of all, uh, second of all, I go to work at 
Strickland sign or sticker punk, sign punk, whatever you want to call it. And we do uh, we do a lot of work for schools, banks, a lot of the racing companies. A lot of work has stemmed from that. So we do banners, pins, koozies, uh, high volume stuff. Uh, if you needed a million stickers, we can we can handle it. You know, there a parking permit, okay. anything you can think of. Uh, we we still even we have people that walk in and say, hey, can you make a little sticker for a hood of my car? I'm like, sure, we can do that. And, you know, we do anything from that all the way up to, you know, uh, we have some really good uh, customers in racing that, that buy a lot. Uh, FTI and um, um, Jeff and Angie at uh, Hickory and Clothes, they buy a lot of stuff. And um, all the schools, uh, we, we just do a lot of work. <laughs> anything yeah. promotional-wise, I guess you would say. Okay. All right. Um, that, that definitely keeps you busy. Um, mm-hmm. but you, you've got some plans for this year as well, right? I do. Um, I leave a week. No, today's Tuesday, isn't it? That's okay. right. I yep. leave in six days. Um, we should have our, the motor back from Wilkerson. Hopefully tomorrow we'll finish putting the dragster together. We've been all over it, just checking everything, all the wire ends and brakes and everything maintenance wise. Um, we'll get that thing put together hopefully Friday and then leave Monday, go to Cagnazzi's shop and, uh, the motor for the Copo should be sitting there Monday. And then we'll put the motor trans converter in it Tuesday. And that leaves us a buffer day for Wednesday in case we run into some kind of problem. And then we'll leave Thursday headed to Valdosta for the first event. There you go. And, uh, And so you'll chase um, championships in both stock and top dragster again? If I can win enough rounds in the first few races, it, that's where the kicker is. You have to get off on a good start. You know, if uh, we always say if uh, mathematically, if you can go, uh, if you can get to the semis the first couple of races or somewhere in that neighborhood, I would say a semi down through uh, or all the way up to a win. And then, the Copo, you need to, mathematically, you need to put up a fourth round or better yep. the first few weeks and then build from that. And then, you know, if we can do that, then we'll be in good shape and we will give a run at it if we can get there. Well, I think it's pretty impressive that you, you – I mean, those two classes are about as diametrically opposed as you can get stock to, <laughs> you know, top dragster, and you do it um, at the highest level. So that, to me, is just amazing. It's, you know, in some ways, a lot of people look at it and they go, well, you know, it should be really difficult. But on the other hand, it's, it's, it also makes you focus more because you have to pay attention because one car, you have a trans brake. One car goes 220, the other one goes 140. One's a foot brake car, one's a two-step delay box. You know, it, they're so opposite that you you have to focus on what you're doing when you get in the car, which when you make uh, a gazillion runs in cars and, uh, you know, I've, I've foot brake cars, two-stepped off the foot brake, let go of the trans brake on the bottom, hit the top bulb, hit the bottom bulb, uh, just anything you can think of. I've raced three-wheelers uh, when I was a kid in the motorcycle class, so I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's kind of just you jump in the car and you go, okay, well, here we go. Start it up and let's go. What are we dialed? Right. You got to hit the tree. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, well, you probably don't get confused, um, the stalker to the top dragster. You don't get confused which one you're in, that's for sure. 
Well, I'm not going to say I haven't forgotten to, like, shift the copo or anything like that, because I have. And, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you roll forward and you start the pre-stage, and then you're like, okay, okay, all right, we gotta, we got to hit the bottom here. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just every now and then. But, and um, you know, like doing a burnout, they're completely different than a burnout. Yeah. Um, the dragster is really, really touchy in the burnout. It, it, it just wants to go wide open. And then the copo... A lot of times I go to whack the throttle in the burnout. I'm like, oh, you're not in the dragster, and then just kind of feather it and keep it, you know, in the nice RPM range where you want. Um, but uh, once once you get rolling forward, though, it, I think you just get a get into a habit, a routine, and um, you know the I, I, they're so opposite. I think it could somewhat help. Yeah, no, that makes some sense. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, you were awesome. Um, I appreciate you uh, talking with us a little bit. Um, go get them this season. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. The Half Track Report is brought to you, as always, by DragRaceLawyer.com. So if you need an attorney that understands you as a drag racer, Go get with Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, let's go to the NHRA event in Pomona to start the season. And smartly, the NHRA higher-ups, they decided that top sportsmen and top dragster both should be competed at the first event of the year. Um, the only thing that wasn't missing, or that was missing, I guess, was Steve Torrance. Uh, so uh, that's a great trade in my book. Uh, top sportsman and top dragster for that act. I'm uh, I'm good with it. So uh, let's start with top sportsman. Um, there were 30 cars that showed up on the property, and your number one qualifier was Phil Dion. He went 642 at 227 miles an hour uh, for number one. Uh, Brian Laflamme would have got it, but he was six thou too quick. He goes six oh nine four, so he gets a little bit of a ticket there. He goes to the bottom of the ladder, um, and uh, notable in the top sportsman category category is Bo Butner makes his debut um, and actually won first round um, in a class that many would expect him to be extremely competitive right away. Um, you know, he's not going to be concerned about the speed, um, understands how to drive the stripe, etc. I would guess if he continues down this path, he's going to be very, very tough to beat. But your winner was Don Missouri. He he uh, wins over Rich Okers, Okerman. Uh, man, that was a heck of a race. Uh, Don gets their tooth out with the stripe. Those dudes saved the best race of the day for last so congrats to Don for a nice victory um, and uh, over Rich in that one. On the top dragster side, there were 32 cars there. Your number one qualifier was James Warden. He goes 6'10 with a 5 at 225 miles an hour. Nicely done, James. But your winner was Paul Nero, our hero, over Chuck Phelps. Paul was 13 off the line and 20. For total, that makes it very tough for Chuck Phelps to get in there. Uh, so Paul Nero gets the first win of the year. Former champion and um, good dude, and uh, nicely done for Paul Nero uh, to start the season. Now, two weeks from now, we will bring you the results from the NHRA Division Two Divisional at SGMP and the national event 
results at Phoenix, where they're also going to host top dragster and top sportsman again. Um, and essentially, from a programming note, we will be on every other week through March and April, and then every week starting in May, um, just because of how the race season goes. And we want to bring you the results um, and no filler. We want to get in there and give you the dirty deets. Um, now, um, I will take comments and curse words and suggestions about that schedule, but send them all to producer Rob at producerrob.com. I don't think he truly cares. So um, send all your comments that way. Uh, but we will see you every other week uh, starting next week for a couple weeks or so. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here just a little bit um, and bring on the driver of the Chi-Town Shaker, um, a woman who has won five NHRA national events and four NHRA division events and was the first woman ever to win two NHRA national events at the same race, uh, Brina Frank. Brina, how are you today? Oh, not too bad, Rox. How's, how's it going over there? I can't complain, not all, not at all. But uh, I want to know a little bit about this Chi-Town Shaker. Um, it is likely the only pink car that I think is really, really cool. So uh, oh. tell me about that. Oh, well, well, sounds pretty good. Um, my Cobalt was built in 2012 by B&B Race Cars. Um, we had thought of a, a paint scheme. Obviously, I'm a girl. So um, you got to add a little bit of pink, a little bit of black on that paint side. And then um, as far as the name goes, uh, we named it the Chi-Town Shaker for one. I'm from the Chicagoland area. And two, um, I thought it was pretty cool. And my dad actually knew a guy, a friend of his that passed away a while back. Um, his car was named the Chi-Town Shaker. So it's kind of almost in memory of him to to keep the name going. So um, I compete with my Cobalt and Superstock. I typically run GTF Automatic, and it's got a 350 LT1 that's fuel injected. Nice. Yeah, it's a bad machine. Um, And like I said, uh, I I really think that's cool. Um, And you mentioned your dad. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that uh, he's a big, big part of how you got started in this thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. So... My dad's a mechanic and owns an auto repair shop. I mean, he's been in, the, you know, in that industry for over 30 years. Um, and when I was eight years old, which was back in 1995, uh, he introduced drag racing to me. And I guess him and my mom didn't really know how I was going to take it, but I obviously ended up falling in love with drag racing. Uh, and I've been racing ever since. So just kind of how I got us started down that road. Yeah, you kind of hem hot. Like, yeah, I just I've been doing this thing. At, you've been doing this thing at a very high level, and you are killing people and getting national event wins and divisional wins. Um, and like I said, uh, you were the first woman ever to win two national to, to win two national event uh, finals in the same race. Uh, talk about how special that was. Yeah, so for that one, um, I actually was in two finals at the same race. Um, unfortunately, I did not win both. I won one of them, which was kind of heartbreaking. Um, mistake. That's okay. Um, I wish it was the other way around, Rex. Right. <laughs> okay right. But, yeah, no, it was kind of heartbreaking at the time. You know, you really don't think that you're going to be the first one to be in that situation. And then after, like, damn, like, what, you know, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to, to get that win? But it just wasn't, you know, wasn't meant to be on that day. So, still a pretty cool thing. Yeah, no, that's that's really fantastic. And I think drag racing um, is probably more advanced than most sports in terms of, um, you know, equality between men and women. But, I mean, you, you did that, and it wasn't too long ago that you did it. And um, so I think that's really, really special. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, and then you know that I'm a huge Top Gun fan. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I kind of feel like uh, Charlie here. Um, you know, you do not have to uh, salute me, but you better respect me. But I, I want to say this. Uh, I keep wanting to say, I just want to hear about the Copo. So you drive a Copo as well. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the Copo was kind of an interesting thing that came about. Um, I believe it was about this time actually last year, I got an email saying, hey, you've been selected to purchase a Copo. And I'm like, holy crap, because my dad and I had always talked about selling both of our cars to get a Copo. And we eventually decided just to keep my Cobalt because we both really liked that car. So, you know, this opportunity came up and we're just about ready to get the season started. So we're like, what are we going to do now? So I actually reached out to my sponsor, um, who's a car collector, and asked if he would like to purchase a Copo um, because it was the 50th anniversary edition. Um, he said that he would, so he actually purchased the car. Um, during that year, unfortunately, my motor blew up in my Cobalt, so I really didn't have a car to drive, and he offered to let me drive that Copo. So um, we picked it up in the summer, um, about two weeks, well, near the end of summer, and about two weeks after that, we went right to Bowling Green. Uh, it was my first race in the car, and I think I got down to, I want to say it was either the quarters or the semifinals. And then we went over to Indy right away and then to Earlville, and then I ended up winning a national event in stock in St. Louis. So uh, really cool car to drive. It had a 427, just naturally aspirated. Uh, it was pretty much a blast. I kind of compare it to like a really fast tractor because it doesn't feel like <laughs> it's going that fast, even though you're going like 145 miles an hour, you know, low nine seconds. So it's just kind of a weird feeling, but it's, it's just a really cool car. Yeah, that's uh, that is the greatest I think description I've ever heard. A really fast tractor. Um, I, yeah, I like I'm it. from Wisconsin, Rock, so <laughs> there's a lot of tractors in Wisconsin. So <laughs> I, I'm aware. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You're you're from Wisconsin. You're there right now. Um, it is mid February. How much snow is on the ground right now? Oh. A couple feet, I would say, maybe three feet in some areas. Yeah, too much for my liking, but we got quite a bit. Well, I I can't wait. Um, I'm going up that way um, later this week, and I'm going to go snowmobile riding all weekend, so I cannot wait. And I appreciate you dumping all the snow there and letting me just go up there and check it out for the weekend. Yeah, it's nice when you can go visit with it, and then you can leave. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, Well, uh no, that that's great of you um, to do that for me. But uh, talk talk to me a little bit about your season this year and uh, what you've got planned for this year. Uh, so for this year, um, and kind of like every year, we kind of just plan around you know the Division three schedule, uh, maybe one or two Division five races that are close by, and then we usually run about three to four national events in the area. Um, we're in the process right now of actually almost completely rebuilding my three hundred and fifty LT one, and we're almost at the tail end, so that's going to get dynoed here probably next month. Um, and then we'll just kind of kick off the season, I think, in Norwalk in May. So just kind of do the local, you know, Midwest circuit. Yeah, I mean, for, for you guys based out of Chicago, I'm guessing then is – would you call Route 66 your home track or your favorite track? Yeah, I would say it's my home track. Yeah. Yep, and I would say probably one of my favorites too. I mean, it's a very nice facility, you know, um, just a great place to race at, I think. I, it's, I never had any luck there. I think my motor blew up twice, you know, obviously different years in the same place. So no luck, but it's a cool place. Oh yeah. Well, you you got to get some of the luck this year then. That's uh, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot more fun if you're going if you're winning. Yeah, and when you're not breaking anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I like some uh, I think I've decided I like some of this practice tree stuff. I don't break anything at those things. 
Yes, yeah, a little less, less expensive, I would say. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, you have. Um, I I know you've raced super gas in the past. You've raced super comp in the past. I think you have your top dragster license. Is that correct? Yeah, that is. Um, back when I ran super comp, I ended up getting my, I guess, advanced DT license, um, and then I just got a top dragster license as well. So I kind of keep all those active just in case. You know, we decided to end up switching classes one day or maybe an opportunity arose for me to drive a car for somebody. So I just kind of keep them there just in case I need them. Yeah, you, you've you got those on tap, but you've kind of converted to uh, some serious wheels-up launches categories. I mean, uh, is is that just because you like seeing uh, Skyline? Is that kind of your I, thing? I think it's just it's fun. <laughs> I just have so much, have so much fun doing it. I don't know. It's just kind of a cool feeling, and at least with my you know my cool balls, I know it's going to come come back down straight. You know, you don't have to really worry about it, so it makes it even more fun that way. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I got my dad's car, and I I really didn't have any understanding of what it was. I mean, I watched it go down the track a hundred times, but when I let go, and then the track went away, and I just saw sky like it was the it was a really eerie feeling i mean it was the cool feeling but it was just so different than anything i had ever uh kind of felt before i was like okay i get it now i get it yeah we had one uh when i was in st louis at the national that was pretty cool the one morning when i went up for a time run and i left the front end kind of loose and that thing came up so high I've never had it come up that high, and it hit the wheelie bar, and I, I'm like, oh, God, please go straight, because <laughs> I didn't know what that was going to do in that type of car, and I had a shift in the air, and it came back down, and I probably had the biggest smile on my face, because it was just the most fun, like, fun thing, so just a blast. Yeah, well, and uh, you were obviously very well decorated um, and, you know, have won a lot of races and, and for that, but I, I got to tell this story. So the first time you and I met – we were, I believe it was at Indy, and we were running super gas, and you were ahead of me in a time run, like just the front car, just the way we pulled into the line, um, and something happened in the lane, right? So you went down, you wiggled at the top end, I went down, wiggled at the top end, and I just came back, and I was like, it, that was a little crazy, you know, at the, do the and it, I should say it was more than a wiggle. Right. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was it was pretty wild at the top end. And uh, I walked over and I was like, hey, you're doing OK. And had you had anything in your hand, you would have thrown it right through my head, I think. And uh, you were yeah, you were fierce. And I was like, no, she's cool. Like it off we go. And uh, yeah, so like I knew right away the second I met you that uh, you're a fierce competitor. And I, I like that. I dig it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I apologize for that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny, too, how, how you're fierceness can maybe change over the years you know that was probably before i had my super gas accident so you know after something like that happens you definitely become more aware you know like yes. uh still to this point if it's like dewy at night i'll skip the time run i won't go or you know if it's barely misting and they're sending cars out on a skip it i won't go it's just like not worth it to a point so yeah i don't know maybe i was a little naive at that, <laughs> at that time but i think we yeah. all were i mean i think we all were i've i've uh made it no secret that i went um, you know, ass over tea kettle, um, last year. And you've, you had a similar experience in, in those evil roadsters and that must've been even scarier, I think. But, uh, um, yeah, like, I think we all get a little wiser as we realize, uh, get a little older and, you know, understand maybe we shouldn't have done some of the things we did. Yeah. I think, I think part of it is, is you just do it so often and so much you become complacent and you just forget, 
or not forget, like, you know, the danger of it, but you don't really think it's going to happen to you. And when it does, then it kind of, kind of wakes you up and it makes you appreciate certain things, you know? So like those evil roadsters you talked about, I couldn't, I couldn't thank God enough that those seatbelts held me in because I was upside down for like 800 feet. So, you know, with no rough, if those seatbelts didn't hold, you know, that's something people need to probably appreciate a little more. Yeah. Like it kind of, it just surprises me when I, I see guys with, um, very very loose belts on like it just shocks me especially like you said you're being upside down i've been upside down um yeah i I wanted no part of that i wanted those belts super tight and um i remember thanking god that those belts were tight being upside down because i didn't Mm -hmm. want to be any part of that uh ground as it was moving you know at 80 miles an hour right next to my head right yeah no super dangerous so um, all right. So last thing, uh, you're probably riding high cause you are a graduate from, uh, Purdue university. You're in, uh, you graduated, uh, with an engineering degree there and your boilermakers just went into Indiana and beat them in front of, uh, Bobby mm-hmm. Knight and all that stuff. So are you just giving your Indiana friends, um, the business right now? Um, not more my Indiana friends, but I like to give my coworkers a lot of crap because they're all Badger fans. So <laughs> whenever Purdue can beat up on the Badgers, I always like to kind of give it to them because they definitely get me during football season. So um, I saw that game; it was good, you know. But I have a lot more people I know that went to Wisconsin. Yeah, that no, that makes perfect sense. All right, well, well, I'm going to give you a boiler up for that one uh, because uh, I, I was I'm fired up for you that they got that one. <laughs> Hey, Brina, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, best of luck to you this year. If people want to check out the Chi-Town Shaker, where do they go? Where where can they find uh, you? You can go to www.chitownshaker.com. I like it. That was the great Brina Frank. Yep. Thanks, Rex. As we hit the mile per hour cone today, actually, we're going to stay out of the groove just a little bit and uh, talk about a new movie that just came out called Uppity. It is the Willie T. Ribs story, um, and it was made by a certified car guy, Adam Carolla, and his company called Chassis. They make movies about car stuff, um, and I get it. It's a road race movie, but if you are a racer and you don't like it, you need to sell your stuff. Um, Willie T. fought through some incredibly tough times, and um, you know, and and by all accounts, was one of the most talented drivers in road rest racing at that time um you know obviously there were racial issues uh, primarily but he was a talented talented guy and I, I remember when I was a kid my parents would take me on um you know vacations and and we would go and my dad and I would stop along the way at different go-kart tracks and we would race each other um just along the way as we saw him and I always acted like I was Willie T. Ribs going around the corner, and I would push the old man's rear out and, uh, you know, spin him out and go on my way. Those were really good times, but uh, Willie was a great driver, um, and the story is unbelievable. But uh, in either event, um, those of you that were rooting hard this weekend for Alex uh, Milinovic, I don't know if I said that right, but uh, in in the funny car field for making his first funny car field um, is the same for Willie T in qualifying for the Indy 500 all those years ago. It was it was kind of the same thing. It was the underdog story, and uh, 
Uppity does a great job of detailing that. It's a it's a great it's a great uh, use of time. I think um, it's on Netflix for all of those of you with Netflix, and for those of you without Netflix, uh, just use your Google machine and look up the, all the ways you can watch Uppity and thank me later. All right, let's bring it back in and take the stripe, guys, girls. That was the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number thirty-five. Let's look up. Uh, there it is. There's the wind light. Uh, we love that. And uh, I bet Rob is going to play something for us right now, which I cannot wait to hear. Because this one goes out to Morgan Woods, little guy. Hang in there. Um, I think we know by now that Gloria is the greatest song of all time. But if you have a favorite theme song, let me know. I'll consider it. Um, I'd like to hear from you about that. Uh Thanks to our guests for coming on, Jeff Strickland, the NHRA Division II top dragster champion last year, and Brina Frank for coming on and talking about all her Wheels Up launches. Um, do me a favor, please like and share the Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, make comments if you don't mind, but Facebook has put us in a little bit of a jail here for taking some time off over the winter. And Fast Bracket Nason needs some street cred, man. So help us out. I appreciate it. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. I'm really impressed with you today. Well, I'm impressive. I mean, you're not feeling well, and you still did a tremendous job. Thanks, brother. Yeah, um, the show must go on. That's what some starlet told me years ago. Incredible stamina. <laughs> that, too. I think she said that, too.